welcome to Stony Brook. It is good to be in worship with you today. I am Pastor Jennifer Casey. I bring you greetings on behalf of Pastor David Hoffman and Pastor Bob Thomas. And today we have a special guest preacher, the Reverend Dr. Tim Bias, the new uh, Capital Area North District Superintendent, is here to preach for us today. So we are excited about his presence and leadership in worship, and I promise you, you will be blessed by his sermon today. As we begin our time together, you will find your connection card in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church. Your connection card is a place where you can register your attendance, share any uh, prayer concerns with the congregation or the church staff, um, and then also uh, register for any upcoming events or classes. Uh, this uh, coming, no, on Saturday, October 2nd, the United Methodist Women Re Retreat is coming up. It is going to be led by Pastor Sue Ellen Miller. Uh, Pastor Sue Ellen will be leading in a program titled Dancing with the Psalms. This is uh, a refreshing and engaging study on the Psalms, and all of the women of the church and community will be sure to want to uh, participate in this. Uh, you are invited to participate in person with a mask on uh, or at home via Zoom should you choose that option. You can reach out to Liz Dillon uh, to register, or if you have any questions, you will find Liz's contact information uh, in your bulletin or through your weekly electronic newsletter. It's also that time of year again where we are collecting hygiene items for NEMAP Food Pantry. This year, rather than uh, providing a completed pack, they have asked us for individual items. So we are asking you all to help bless a community with shampoo, deodorant, shaving cream, razors, washcloths. Uh, you will find this list in your weekly electronic newsletter with all of the information about bringing it back to church. Now, uh, I know there were many of us this past Sunday that were able to participate in our evening at Stony Brook Fellowship event. We just wanted to say thank you for all of you who were able to come and enjoy an evening of food and fellowship and games. We thank all of the many hands who had a part in planning it and leading it from the fellowship team who uh, served our food to us to the contemporary praise band who provided music and our program staff who helped plan it and then many of the hands who helped set up and tear down. Thank you for your participation. It was good to be together in that way last week. You can find more information about the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church in your uh, bulletin packet or on our website at stonybrook.church. At this time, I invite you to quiet your hearts and your minds as our prelude by our sanctuary bells helps to prepare us for worship.
I invite you to rise either in body or in spirit as we are called to worship. You will find your responses in bold. Happy are those who follow the ways of the Lord. God's ways are just and merciful. Those who follow God's ways are continually nourished in the faith. In all that they do, they prosper. Come, let us open our hearts to God's compassionate love. Let us celebrate God's mercy and justice. Amen. O God, whom, in whom our lives find meaning, by whom our lives are sustained, this day we offer you our praise and thanksgiving, for you alone are the creator of the universe and the sustainer of our lives. Before this world existed, you were God. Before time began, you were God. And we confess that such greatness is beyond our knowing. But you have chosen to know us, to call us by name, to love us and care for us, to become as we are, to suffer the pain that we feel, 
It is a wonder and a mystery, and while we cannot prove to understand it all, we give thanks for your grace. But there are some, O God, for whom the mystery of life has turned dark and threatening. Some wonder why, in a world able to sustain us all, they go hungry. Some find themselves locked into a cycle of poverty or failure, and they wonder if they will ever escape. And, oh God, some suffer, suffer from illness, suffer in body and spirit, and suffer the pangs of fear and the persistent pain of worry. Some suffer the agony of questions for which there are no answers. For these, O God, we pray. And we confess, O God, that sometimes we have tried to offer answers that were too easy rather than live with the uncertainty of questions. Forgive us when we try to reduce you to something more manageable than mysterious. Forgive us when we try to fit you into our lives rather than finding our lives in you. Heal us, O God. Restore us. Forgive us so that we may sing your praises, O God, and place your blessing of peace upon us. Oh God, hear our concerns and praise this day, especially for those concerns that lie heaviest upon our hearts and minds. And we thank you, oh God, that you are a God who knows exactly what we need and have given us your spirit to guide us. And now, oh God, listen as we are bold to join our hearts and our voices together, praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples as we practice together the unity that God would have, praying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you for your gift of morning, or gift of music this morning. Thank you very much. Today's scripture lesson takes us back to the Moses story. As it comes to us from Numbers, I invite us to hear these words. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God. Let us respond by singing together. Pastor Tim, may God's spirit fall afresh on you as you bring um, our message today. Well, the Lord be with you. Hi, it's an honor to be with you. I'm grateful for the invitation from your pastor. Um, Sometimes when the superintendent shows up, that means that there's a problem, but there's no problem today. He was just gracious to uh, extend an invitation. I think he did it so early with me becoming the superintendent of Capillaria North that he wanted to figure out how he was going to have to deal with me. I think that's uh, what that was. I'm grateful to him and to Jennifer and to Bob and to all of you, I mean, you may have known the superintendent was coming and you showed up anyway. I mean, you need to have, that, that's, that's good. I'm grateful for the chancel choir and for the sanctuary bells. Brings back lots of good, good feelings and, men, and memories for me. I also know how tough it is for a pastor to give up his or her pulpit, so it is, uh, uh, David, I'm especially grateful uh, to be here with you. Our scripture this morning was one that I, that I didn't know that I quoted uh, every Sunday for all my teenage years, uh, being in youth fellowship every Sunday. At the end of youth fellowship, we'd cross our arms and hold hands, and we'd say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then we'd do some gyration with our hands over our heads. And then we'd go on home. I was an adult before I realized I'd been quoting scripture. That's part of why I'm here. Part of why I'm here as a minister of the gospel. But part of why I'm here at Stony Brook today. I just want to know who's going to say the blessing. Just come by to ask the question, who's going to say the blessing for this community and Columbus and for the world? I had a friend in seminary who was telling the story about <clears throat> one Sunday. Well, he said every Sunday there was a little girl. Her name was Susie. She'd sit about right, what he said about right there in the, in the sanctuary every Sunday, and she sat by herself. Uh, her parents were never with her. Uh, he'd look back occasionally, and she would be sitting with a few friends. He said everybody in the community knew her family. They were, as, they, as he said, entrepreneurs. They had several businesses. They would invite people in for, for, for dinners and, uh, and tell them about some of the business and invite them in to, um, to join them in the business. They usually did that on Saturday nights, but they made sure that Susie came to Sunday school and stayed for worship on Sundays. But you know, they had been busy on Saturday nights, so they just didn't come. He said he looked back one Sunday and Susie's mom and dad were with her. He thought that was kind of unusual, but he went on and preached his sermon, gave a little invitation to Christian discipleship at the end of the service, and they stepped out and came forward and said they'd like to be part of the church. Now, what he said to me was, he said, I knew it wasn't my sermon, so I had to ask them why it was that Sunday. And they said, well, we were, uh, we had, as you know, we have our dinner parties on, on um, Saturday nights. We invited some people in last night. Susie had already gone to bed. We were giving our pitch like we usually do. And we must have gotten a little loud because she was walking down the stairs in the middle of all of that, and she saw the table was set. And she said, oh, goody, I get to say the blessing. And right there, before anybody could say anything, she said, God is great, God is good, and we thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. And then she said, I'll see you in the morning, Mommy and Daddy, when you take me to church. They said we were cleaning up the cups and the napkins, the plates afterwards, and we looked at each other and said, what are we doing? We should probably go with her in the morning. So we're here because of Susie. Now my question is, what did she do? What did she do to have her parents come? She said the blessing. And I've just come by to see who might say the blessing today. You know, the context of, of the scripture, the Hebrew people are disconnected, part of it because of their own disobedience, but part of it because of the, of the powers that they were living in at that time in the world. And all that they held, uh, all they held uh, important to themselves, other people, their community, what they felt God's design for their lives. They were in the midst of this disconnection. 
I don't think it's a whole lot different than, than what we've been kind of going through over the last couple of years. The, I mean, I, don't, I, I feel disconnected because of the pandemic. And, and all this racial unrest, it's been going on my entire life, but it's raised to a new crescendo. And who would ever thought that the political divisions that we have, I mean, we're no longer just on two different sides. We're, we're, we're choosing sides of hatred. That's kind of the context that, um, that the Hebrew people were in. And it's in the midst of that kind of disconnection, that disobedience, that upheaval, and all the things that were going on that God, according to the writer of Numbers, called Moses and said, now Moses, I want you to get Aaron and his family, and I want you to go out and tell all these people who are disconnected and broken and wandering around in the wilderness, I want you to tell them that I blessed them. And then say this when you bless them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You know what it means to be blessed? I mean, sometimes we read back into that and say, you know, life's been good, this worked out, I am blessed. I think from the scriptural point of view, and especially from the Old Testament, it means to be put on the right path. It means God is going to help us become who we were created to be by putting us on the path. It's going to bless us. So as we become more and more who God has created us to be, the next thing is, is that God says to keep you, to protect you, to provide for you. So as you're, you're, as you're being placed on the right path, God will provide for you and protect you. And then make his face to shine upon you. We already know that that image means that we're in God's favor. If God's face is shining upon you, you're in God's favor. So as you're on the path being protected, you're in God's favor. That sounds pretty good to me. I kind of like that especially with the Hebrew people who might have been disconnected and disobedient, and yet God's saying, listen, I'm still with you. And then the next part of that verse is to be gracious unto you. You know, one of the things I've learned about God, now you already know this, I'm just slow, but you know, God does not deal with us according to our sin or according to our missing the point, or according to our disobedience, if we want to say that, God deals with us with grace. We all have a grace story or we wouldn't be here. You've experienced God's love and grace. And since I'm the preacher, I'll tell you mine. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is today. You just have to listen to it. My dad was my hero when I was growing up. He, he played football, basketball, baseball. He, he did all that kind of stuff, so I did. I played football. I hated football. I hated contact, but I played because I wanted him to be proud of me. He played basketball on an NAIA championship team at Marshall College in 1946. I used to wear his uniform to practice in junior high school because I thought it would make me play better. I just wanted him to be proud of me. I worked hard for him to be proud of me. He was a contractor. He was a brick and block mason 
really by trade, but he, he built buildings. He built some of the buildings at Marshall University. He, um, he built houses. I used to take people out and say, my dad built that house, my dad built that house. I was trying to impress the girls that way. I was just, I would just take them out and show them all this stuff that my dad did, but I was really proud of him. He built church buildings. Now, he never attended worship, but he built church buildings. We'd drive by one of those buildings. I said, Dad, why don't you go to church there? He said, I've been on my knees more in that building than the preacher has. <laughs> he said, why don't you work for me sometime? I mean, you, you can get, you, you need to learn to lay brick, is what he said. He said, whatever you do in life, if it doesn't work out, you can always lay brick. That's the way he looked at it. So I helped him a few weekends. I carried brick up and down a ladder. I mixed mortar, cut the mud as we did, called it. And I did that for a couple of weekends and I thought God was calling me to ministry. So that's how I got to this. <laughs> I'd already been a pastor for four years. I was already in seminary when my mother called me one day, I was 24. My mother called me and said, I need to talk with you. So I drove to our home where I grew up in Milton, West Virginia, sat at the kitchen table, it took her about two, two hours to explain to me that this man who I'd tried all my life to prove to him that I was worthy of his love and he could be proud of me, had adopted me when I was nine months old. And the reality of God's grace came rushing into my life. He chose me to be his son. He gave me his name. He loved me from the very beginning. He didn't care whether I played football, basketball, or ever laid a brick. He had already chosen me. And that's what God's done. God's chosen you, given you a name, loved you from the beginning. That's God's grace. And that's what God says to Moses, get Aaron and his family and go tell these people who are hurting and broken and feel like they have nothing to hang on to, just tell them, I'll get them on the right path, I'll protect them, I'll take care of them. They're already in my favor. I've already chosen them. I love them. They can, there's nothing they can do to make me not love them. Hey, go out and bless them, tell them. And then that next one is, <clears throat> lift up his countenance upon you. Now we know that when the Old Testament was written, there are certain lines that mean the same thing. So face and countenance. But there's another little subtle thing about lifting his countenance upon you. It's, it's, it's acceptance and reconciliation. That whatever's already broken can come back together, restoring what's been broken. I kind of think of it this way, that in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. The image is God was in Christ embracing the world or hugging the world unto himself. Lifts up his countenance upon you in his favor. He's hugging you in Jesus. Hugging you to himself. That's God's blessing. You're accepted just as you are. No pretense, no facade. Just God in Jesus hugging you. And then the last part is give you peace, that word shalom, wholeness and completeness. You're at one with God and yourself and your neighbors. You're becoming who God created you to be. So saints of Stony Brook, I've come by just to say, to ask, who will say the blessing? Just as God sent Moses to Aaron to bless the Hebrew people, 
you and I, as the church, are sent to the community. So what better thing could we say in the midst of pandemic and racial unrest and political conflicts? Who would say the blessing? Now, I, you know, I, that would be enough to say, but, you know, I, didn't, I don't want you to waste your time with me, but I just want you to know that there are a few places in the New Testament where those early followers of Jesus showed themselves as evidence of the resurrection because they blessed the people. One of them is in Acts, the ninth cha uh, chapter. There was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Saul got permission from the chief priest to go down to Damascus and put an end to a little movement of people who were, as he thought, were perverting the Jewish religion because they weren't doing it the way he thought it ought to be done. He got permission to go down and put an end to it. The head of that little group was a man by the name of Ananias. On his way there, he struck blind. So he's taken, as it says, to a street called Straight in Damascus, and he's there waiting. And as he's going there, God's speaking to Ananias, God saying, Ananias, I want you to go over, and the biased translation, you understand, all my translations are biased. But he goes over, uh, God says, I want you to go over to a street called Straight to a man by the name of Saul, and I want you to bless him. I want you to bless him. Now, I can imagine Ananias saying, now, God, he's not part of our group. He was coming down here to put an end to things, and you want me to associate with him? How in the world do you think we ought to do that? Is that really what you want me to do? And I think God said, yes. <laughs> That's exactly, I wouldn't be asking you to do it. Ananias goes over, puts his hand on Saul's shoulder, and he says, Brother Saul, and it says the scales fell off his eyes. And the next thing, which I think is just remarkable, this is where the blessing is. Ananias says, why don't you stay with us for a while? It wasn't like, okay, we've done that for God. Now let's go on to the next thing. It was come and stay with us for a while. Ananias blessed Saul. You're here because of that. Most of the Bible was written by Paul. There's another one, just a, another little chapter over about an Ethiopian eunuch. A eunuch, by definition, is any man who by surgery, disp uh, disposition, or um, accident cannot uh, uh, give birth, uh, father a child. You can find that in Deuteronomy, the first verse. Deuteronomy 23rd chapter, the first verse. But I like Philip at this point. Philip's grown up as a, as a good, uh, good Jewish family. And every good child was told, don't go to Samaria. Don't mess around with the Samaritans. Don't mess with the Samaritans. If you end up in Samaria, when you come back into the country, knock the Samaritan dust off your feet. Holy Spirit comes upon Philip, and where does he go to preach? Samaria. 
And he had such, such results of people responding to the love of God in Jesus that Simon Peter and John go down to Samaria to find out what's going on. They send Philip back, and on the way back, he runs into this Ethiopian eunuch. He asked the eunuch, what are you reading? Well, I'm reading something here from Isaiah, but he said, I don't understand it. Bias translation, Philip says, let me bless you. He explains to him the suffering servant. And when he explains it, the Ethiopian eunuch, his life opens up. It's changing. As they're riding along, there's a pool of water and the eunuch says, like in the 23rd chapter, first verse, it says, any man who by surgery, disposition, or accident cannot father children is not welcome in the assembly, is not welcome. They come to that pool of water, and the eunuch says, what hinders me from being baptized? What hinders me from being part of the community? Now, I can get in trouble for this, I guess, but my trend, my, the way I look at it is that Philip looked at him and said, they may not like this back in Jerusalem, but I'll baptize you. Philip blessed the eunuch. Let me try one more, because you didn't go to sleep on those two. I won't go through the whole Bible. I'll just try one more. And here it is. It's Simon Peter. He's been out preaching to the Gentiles all day. This is in chapter 10 of Acts. He's been out preaching all day. He goes to the, come, stops for lunch, goes up to on the roof, and he has a vision. And now the vision was a sheet that comes down out of heaven. It's a tablecloth, and it has all this pork stuff on it. I mean, there are pork chops, pork roast, bacon, all that stuff there. And God says, uh, Simon, Peter, have you ever eaten any of this? Oh, no, God, not me. I've been good all my life. I wouldn't do anything like that. And God says, well, it's about time you started eating some of it because I, I created it, I made it, I cooked it for you. Eat it. It's about that time that two people come from Cornelius, knock on the door, Cornelius being a Roman soldier, a Gentile, come from his house and say, our boss, Cornelius, is asking for you to come to see him. Simon Peter goes. He's preaching to the Gentiles. Why not go? Comes to the house. I think it's the 23rd verse of the 10th chapter. It's one of those verses in there somewhere. When he gets there, Simon Peter says, it is against the law. It's unlawful. It's against the law for a Jew to be in the home of a Gentile. But God has shown me no one is profane. He comes in and he blesses Cornelius, his whole family, and they become followers of Jesus. I've just come by to see who's going to say the blessing. With all the people that are around us in this community and in Columbus and all the things that are going on that hurt us and separate us. All the hate rhetoric, all the things that I never dreamed would ever be the things that would be talked about in our world. Who's gonna say the blessing? 
me ask you to do something. I want you to think of someone, one person, that you know who could benefit from a blessing from God. Just get their face in your mind and name on your lips. And if just one person's difficult, think about a group you belong to. Maybe a club, maybe some people at work. And get their face in your mind, name on your lips, and hold them there just for a second as we think about blessing. I had the honor of serving at Peoria at First United Methodist Church for several years. Most of the people in that church belonged to, worked at Caterpillar, Caterpillar International, you know, the big machines. One of the things I used to say on a regular basis uh, that irritated people, but I like irritating people, God called me to do that, uh, was saying that if you want to meet Jesus, get out in the community, because Jesus is out in the community. And there'd be people who'd say, oh, why do you say that? And I said, well, you come on to the altar, and I'll pray for you, and then I'll push you out into the community, because that's really where you'll see Jesus. One man sat in the balcony every Sunday. He'd retired. He came down and shook my hand one Sunday and said, I'm tired of hearing you talk about meeting Jesus in the community. Well, all of us here who are pastors know that when somebody says that, the next words aren't going to be very nice. <laughs> I said, Lloyd, what can I do for you? He said, I want to meet Jesus. I said, well, how do, we, how do you want to do that? He said, I... I, I he said, I hear you say every week that we're going to meet Jesus in the community, so I want to meet Jesus. Now, that church had a relationship with the little inner city school. We not only had an after-school program, we had an arts program, and we had several other things. We had a Bear Buddy program that 250 people in that congregation adopted 250 children, and they wrote stories back and forth and read to them and mentored them all in relationship to the principal and to the teacher. It was a wonderful ministry. Lloyd looked at me, and he'd been a part of that ministry from its beginning. He looked at me and he said, they don't have any vocal music down at that school. They need to have a choir. I said, Lloyd, do you read music? No. Do you sing? No. I said, do you play an instrument? No. I said, how in the world are you going to do this? He said, I just want to pray with them. And, and if they're singing, I can always, at the end of choir practice, just gather them together to pray. I said, Loy, it's a public school. We've had these conversations. You can't pray in a public school. You can't read the scripture. You can't talk about Jesus. He said, I've already talked to the superintendent. I've talked to the principal. I've talked to the, to the parents. They say, uh, I've gotten permission that as long as the school doesn't sanction it, they'll give us some time on a Wednesday afternoon and we can have the kids. I've got 25 kids already identified. He said, if we had a bigger bus, I'd have more kids. He said, I need to get a parents to sign off on having them stay, having them sing, and to ride a bus so that we can go and do this. He said, all I want to do is pray with them. He said, Darlene and I will well, go door to door, get all this done. There was a little place called Taft Homes, some government housing right there close to the church. 
Six months. Kids would run around yelling, screaming. They'd try to sing and they'd try to hold them together. And you got to know that people sent me emails and called me and said, I can't believe this is what you think ministry is. <laughs> but about six months in, Lloyd gathered them around every, every Wednesday to pray. He said, at our church, we pray for people. We help them. We help one another. And if there's ever a time you need me to pray for you, you just let me know. And every week, they'd gather them together and he'd pray for them. One week, a little girl raised her hand and said, my kitty cat's gone. Would you pray that she comes back? Boy called her by name and prayed for the cat and prayed for the little girl. I got more emails. Is this what you think ministry is? We're praying for cats and children. It was a few weeks later that a little boy raised his hand and said, my mommy's sad. My daddy's been gone for a while. Would you pray that my daddy comes back home so my mommy won't be sad? You know, by the end of the school year, Parents were coming and standing in the circle asking Loy to pray for them. Loy was blessing the community. You have that person in mind I ask you to think of or that group? Would it be too much this week that you would bless them? Maybe a phone call, a text, an email. Maybe a visit. And it doesn't have to be the words, may the Lord bless you and keep you. It could be like, you know how much I appreciate you. Do you know that you're loved? Do you know I've missed you? Do you know how much you're blessing somebody when you say that? Moses called God called Moses and Aaron and said, go bless the people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then God said, when you've said the blessing, I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Just wondering who'll say the blessing for the Stony Brook community this week. All of the ways that we offer ourselves helps us to become closer to who God created us to be. We get to offer ourselves in order to bless our community. We get to offer ourselves in order that God blesses us and the blessings just keep piling on. We are grateful for the ways that you have offered your financial gifts as they help us uh, continue the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church so that we can bless our community, bless Columbus, bless Ohio, and bless even beyond. Will the ushers come forward as we rise and sing our doxology together and bless the gifts we have given today.
for blessing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for pouring yourself into us. We offer these gifts back to you with joyful hearts, with gratitude in our hearts. We ask that you bless them, multiply them, help us to move them throughout our community and even beyond so that all who come to receive them know of your great love in their lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. going into the mission field, where there are people who need a kind, caring, supportive, encouraging word, and God in Jesus has already put that word in you to get out to them. That word very well could be, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.